1: William Powell said it best. Let's go, Rider Nation! I am excited for this week's show, episode two hundred and fifty, halfway to five hundred. How do we make it this far?
2: Uh, how do we make it to two, let alone two fifty? The fact well, we got to be fair, two, I, I wasn't there
0: for episode two, so I have no idea how the hell you guys. That's did it. how we got to two. Yeah,
1: because was I wasn't there. Must have
0: been Ferlin. Oh yeah, yeah. He, he was carrying you that with that sense. cartwheel.
1: <laughs> this is the Piffles Podcast, your Saskatchewan Roughriders fan podcast. Thanks for joining us here, whether you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, watching on YouTube, or watching on SaskTel Max TV On Demand. Thank you for joining us. 10,000 viewers. 10,000 views on SaskTel Max already. I'm... Thank you. Why? Thank you very much. Why? Yeah.
0: Like, I, I thank you, but why? I, I know what it is. It's clearly the rugged good looks. We gotta thank our stylists. Like this is this is where we need like the speech. I like to thank my stylist. Uh, I was, I was soft filter.
1: The, I was waiting for the cricket sound to come in. <laughs> I don't have that on here yet. I don't have the ones <laughs> do it yet. Um, but we're super, super thrilled. Everything is going great and uh we love it. So thank you. And uh hopefully you continue to uh to tune in. Uh even here in the off season where there's no news. But there's tons of news, and that's why I'm in such a good mood tonight. Give us a follow on X at PifflesPod. You can give me a follow at RealAlexD. And find me at Saffamod. And as always, I do not need nor want
0: your pity follows at Greg on Sports.
1: Check us out on Facebook as well. And, of course, the website, PifflesPodcast.com. Piffles Podcast is brought to you by Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina, Okay, well, we were wondering how long it was going to take for a new head coach to be named, and it sounds like we got our answer. Let's jump to the opening kickoff. And shout out to Farhan Lalji of TSN, coming in clutch. So 20 minutes. 20 minutes before we started recording, (laughs) his report came out. So we were actually going to record this show on Monday this week, and we're like well, they might announce the head coach on Tuesday because usually something happens with the riders after the day after a show. We're like, okay, well, we'll, we'll wait. And then it, nothing happened on Tuesday. So we were going to record. And then I thought, and the CFL announced, okay, well, they're going to make their announcement with the city of Victoria and the BC Lions on Wednesday. Okay, well, the riders can't announce anything on Wednesday because the CFL wants the day to be about them. Okay, cool. So they're not going to announce anything till Thursday. So we'll just record on Wednesday. So that's what we're doing Wednesday night. Just sitting down. Open up the old social media. Open up the laptop here. Farhan of TSN, 20 minutes before we record, coming in clutch. The Riders are about to hire Corey Mace as their new head coach. So Farhan, thank you for announcing this right before we recorded, not during the middle or after. Um, So I think we can be pretty confident going forward that tomorrow on Thursday, the riders will announce Corey Mace as their new head coach. Um, He was always in my top two. Uh, Jordan Maximic wasn't in there as well too. And then that just kind of tailored off once Buck Pierce kind of became available. Um, Corey Mace, you guys, what's your immediate reaction now that it literally just happened about, you know, half an hour ago. I'm absolutely
2: ready to run through a brick wall for this podcast. And that's just from his announcement. I can't imagine what the locker room is going to do once he gets in there. Everything you hear about the guy is he's passionate. He's, He's a guy the players love. He's exactly the kind of coach that this team needed. We haven't had one like that in a while. Chris Jones, maybe. But I don't know about the love part. It seems like Corey Mace has has that respect and love from every player he coaches. I don't think you could find somebody to say a bad word about him.
0: Well you go, take go from his coaching time to his playing days to the time he rapped with P. Diddy. Um wait think, what? Well you know, maced, oh, mace. you know
1: okay. I actually thought that was a real thing. Wow. That 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 this is how long the last couple of days have been for me. Okay. Carry on. <laughs> but no seriously like yeah, every player I've talked to, to a man. You okay?
0: Uh, <laughs> no, that's finally yeah. marinated. You're finally there? I was just saying he all probably right.
1: got more money with the riders. And, now he's going to have more problems.
0: Probably, yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I had a bunch of those lined up. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, so bad. But anyway, no, like, yeah, the players I've talked to, they're all, they're not with the riders, but they to a man, say he is going to be a great influence on this team. He's going to be a culture guy. So I'm excited for it. Like I said, I want an offensive uh, head coach. But if we had to go
1: defensive, Corey Mace is the guy. I absolutely love this hire because of, I think because of his age, being really, really young still. Recently played, like within the last 10 years, he played with some of the guys he coached in Toronto. Like that's kind of funny, actually. Um, He played with Micah Johnson. Yeah. And Micah Johnson's a uh, pending free agent. So maybe there's a little extra incentive for Micah to uh, re-sign with the Riders for 2024. Um, But what I really loved about Corey Mace, especially seeing him over the last couple of years was this on the sidelines, how much he got into it with the players, high-fiving, jumping around and, and cheering them on and, They would go straight to him after a big play. They wouldn't go celebrate with each other. I mean, they would celebrate. But right when they're coming off the field, it's right to Coach Mace. And that really just shows how much the players love this guy. And that's the culture that we need here in Saskatchewan. We never saw that with the previous head coach. There was nothing like that. To me, this is a night and day difference than what we had over the last couple of years. And that's why I'm so excited about it. Um, like I just, it's, we talked about culture, Jeff Fairholm on this show talked about culture and how it needs to change and not just like, it needs to be a drastic change. And I think that's what we're going to get. And to me, that's the best part. I haven't been this excited about the team since probably since the end of 2019. And even then. Probably when Chris Jones took over, that's I was excited when Chris Jones took over because I knew the losing would stop, and now I think we're we're going to get that way.
2: You know, there's one more thing that I'm really excited for that that puts it kind of over the top for me. You look at some of the free agents that Toronto has on the defensive side of the ball: Winton McManus and Darius Pickett, um, Sean Oakman. Is Sean Oakman? Yeah, Sean Oakman. Uh, like there's there's some quality guys there that have to have a lot of love for their defensive coordinator on the way out the door. That I wouldn't mind if they swapped that blue for a for a shade of green, for the right shade of green.
1: And I I doubt he would leave Toronto. But look on the offensive side of the ball, who's a pending free agent for uh, Toronto? That would fit a huge need for the Riders with both of their uh, running backs pending free agent. Yeah, AJ Ulet. If you can get into his ear, you know unofficially, not not tampering or anything, because that never happens in the CFL.
0: No, a quick uh, f- goodbye phone
2: call. You know,
1: oh here's
0: my, my number. Yeah. yeah.
1: If you can if get you ever into need him, anything like a job, perhaps. I know a guy who would hire you. Yeah. Just say it. So until until AJ Ouellette gets his name on ink in Toronto, I'm holding out hope that we're going to get him. And I love him; he's my favorite player in the CFL by far. He's <laughs> is, is it because of the awesome. mullet? That's part of it, yes. The mullet, the uh, the, wrestling
0: the wrestling career. Yeah. I was going to say, how is he going to have his, his side wrestling gig?
1: Like, don't get me wrong, I understand Cwe runs a few shows around here, but yeah, know, we have some, we have great indie wrestling here in, in Regina. It's, it's, it's been good. a while. <laughs> Ever since High Impact closed, I haven't seen seen a lot. So, well, there's only one way to get back into it, and that's to bring AJ Alouette here and have him spear guys through tables. Which I I just think that's brilliant so Corey mace of course uh buck pierce was the other finalist i'm actually a little bit surprised it wasn't buck pierce it sounded like it was trending in that direction i wonder if winnipeg's uh sticking with kyle walters as gm and keeping their guys all together if that kind of factored into things i don't know we'll talk about the bombers later but I don't, I don't know what changed, what happened there, but either one of those two guys would have been an absolute home run hire. And we said J- J.O. needed to nail this hire. Absolutely needed to. And I think he hit a grand slam. And that's before they even take the field. Like
0: m- my biggest fear is they were actually going to r- roll out Kelly Jeffrey at some point because that's <laughs> the way the hiring went last year. It's like, we can't get anybody. We can't get anybody. And then when Milanovic got pulled out out of the favorite position, uh, he turned the job down. No one wants to write. I'm like, oh, here we go again. People are saying that he, yeah, he he pulled out. It's like, what what do you do? Like it, it, everyone was just beating themselves up that no one wanted this head coaching job. Well, we got a great one coming in. Either way, we got a great one coming in. Even if turns around and far hands wrong tomorrow, and we're all we're talking for nothing right now. <laughs> Buck Pierce would still be a great uh, head coach. Right?
2: they they literally could not have gone wrong with their final two choices. But I think from a locker room standpoint, Corey Mace was far and away the best choice. And to me, that that signals a a look from the Rider organization that they want to make that culture change. Maybe they're listening, not just to us but to the fans, to that desire for, you know, something more than four gray cups in 110 years. What's happened isn't working you know, bring in that
1: guy that will change things around. Mace has what? Three great cups. One as a player, two as a, two as a coach. So he has three in his relatively short CFL career. The riders have four. So this, this guy knows how to win. He knows what it takes to win. Um, I am curious as to what his staff is going to look like. And, It's been rumored that he's going to bring his old friend from Calgary, Mark Mueller, over as offensive coordinator. It makes sense. And even though I'm not loving that necessarily, um, just based off of Calgary's lack of success this past (laughs) year. Sorry. Had a horse Um, stuck in my throat. They, I mean... I'm expecting some growing pains with this because there is a risk bringing in a brand new head coach like this without any head coaching experience. But I'm okay with that if there's growth and if it means that we're getting, you know, a younger offensive coordinator and potential defensive coordinator, whoever that may be going forward, I'm okay with that because I really do think there actually will be growth this way.
0: And the good news is Jo, with that three year extension. Uh, Mace, and if it is Mueller, um, whoever they bring in as a DC, if it is a, new, uh, a younger guy with less experience, at least they can grow together. And hopefully they can make that tight-knit unit that they want. Um, yeah, it's just... Yeah, Mark losing his play calling, I know has a bunch of people scared right now. Uh, I've seen some really... Other how how to put the other day other intelligences comments <laughs> about Mueller and his play calling and how it's a joke if Mace because that's the reason why they shouldn't hire Mace. But everyone up until this past season thought Mark Mueller was the next uh, offensive coordinator that was going to be shot to the moon. He's going to be fast tracked to a head coaching position,
2: and that includes people in the rider organization because he was offered the OC job last <clears throat> year. Or he was at, it down. Least, at least he removed himself from that list. That's the best part of all this is a year later, the guy who turns down the job now turns into or accepts the job, obviously under awesome. substantially different, uh, circumstances, three year head GM versus lame duck head coach GM, all of that. Yes. But there's some humor in that, uh, Although in fairness, we offered that o c job to literally everybody, so no matter who they came in with as o c
1: probably has the same
2: has the same problem.
1: now, I will say about Mark Mueller, despite you know having the play calling taken away and the struggles that the Calgary offense had last year, I'm not gonna pin that all on him because when you look look at how many drops the Calgary receivers had all year, yes, they went through a lot of injuries both on the O-line and in the receiving, and actually the running backs, Kadim Carey was banged up for a lot of the year. So they actually had a lot of injuries, not that that's an excuse, but their replacements couldn't catch the ball. When that is literally your one job as a receiver is to catch the ball and you're dropping them, you can't blame the OC for that. And, and that's- Jake Mayer's... Everybody knows my feelings on Jake Mayer, how I think he's just trash he's 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 had a couple good games but i don't think he's more than a backup in this league you can't fault the oc for that either and so, that's
0: where i think calgary is the reason why calgary took a step back they were always the team as next man up it didn't matter who they rolled out there they had talent top to bottom their cupboard was empty this year and not just because of injuries the talent just wasn't there
1: so they all followed Corey mace to toronto
0: yeah, you you can't you can't you you can't hang Mueller on that one. And even when Dickinson was making the calls, were they a little bit better? Yes, but the, still, the only reason why they made the playoffs is because uh, Dickinson's brothers sucked as a head coach and lost seven straight. Yep. I legit last night had to explain to my daughter what happened and why the Riders didn't make the playoffs. I'm like,
1: they lost seven in a row. Well, that's bad. Yeah, that was very bad. especially when he saw it coming the entire time. Um, so the other name that was out there that we actually expected to be the head coach, Scott Milanovic. It was confirmed by Danielle Ponicelli on this very podcast. On this very program.
0: <laughs> oh, she um, hates
1: me for that. <laughs> yep. I'm sure she hates you for other reasons too. So don't feel too bad about it, Greg. I'll ask her tomorrow night. It'll be fine. Yeah. Um, so Milanovic, apparently this is being reported. Uh, wanted, both Kelly Jeffrey and Jason Shivers to remain as offensive and defensive coordinators. I don't love that by any means, but okay, sure. I guess Jeremy O'Day stepped in and said, No, I'm gonna have a say in this. And that say is those guys aren't coming back. This is gonna be a complete change around. Scott Milanovich didn't like that and wasn't gonna be a yes man, which generally speaking. I would normally side with the potential head coach here. Your GM should not be dictating to you who your coordinators are. If you're going to hand the reins over to me, it's my team. I am the coach. I'm in charge of the staff. They are my staff. I pick them. But in this case, all right, Jo, I appreciate that because we saw how bad it was with those two coordinators, especially at the end of last year. And, uh, I think he made the right choice by stepping in here and basically forcing out a potential candidate. I, I could understand one, but not both. It's really hard to
0: go to your fans and go, Hey, here's a brand new car. When all you did was take a spray, a spray paint can to a 91 Ford Tempo. And that is what he was planning on doing. I thought you were going to do
1: the Malibu Stacy reference there, but it's got a
0: hat. hat? Dang it. Oh, well. But I really enjoyed that car reference. But it, it would have been a hard sell. They're already having fans turn around, turn away, blaming Shivers, blaming Jeffrey for the play calling. Dickie's already gone. So you can't bring back so, his so-called number one and number two and then go, oh, everything's good. We got a new head coach. Don't worry about it. He's going to fix these two. No, that's not the way it works. It would have been a hard sale, And yep. I
2: don't blame O'Day at all. The moment Scott Milanovich came in and had those two names as his OC and DC, if that is in fact the case. If I'm Jeremy O'Day, I don't even negotiate. I stand up, shake his hand, and walk out the door. You cannot... When you want to preach this this culture change or when you clearly need this culture change, you need to do that top to bottom as much as you can. Bringing back the same staff and then probably the same guys underneath them doesn't really scream any kind of change and good on Jeremy O'Day. I, I hope that was a very, very short interview and we uh he spent more time with the other two.
0: The nail. I, I want to believe the nail in the coffin was saying that Craig Dickinson was going to be the uh, special teams coordinator. That is what I want to believe in my
1: heart of hearts that Dickinson was coming back as special teams coordinator. I mean, if I'm one of the other eight teams, I might be interviewing Craig Dickinson for special teams coordinator. Hell of a coach. I'm the Saskatchewan I'm... Rough Riders. I'm not. No, you need to just completely wipe your hands clean of that. Regardless of how good of a special teams coordinator he is. No. You just, you can't do that right now. But Corey Mace. Sounds like he is the guy, so by the time anybody listens to this, we might have the official announcement from the Riders. Uh, Corey Mace, new head coach of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. I'd imagine a three-year contract to match with with Jeremy O'Day. Um, I'm sure he'll announce his coaching staff shortly after that. They won't announce it right away. He might announce the coordinators, but that's about it. Um, But the nice thing about this, and actually, Jamie Nye of the Green Zone uh, wrote about this, and it was his commentary, was that The timing couldn't have been better for the riders to need this new head coach because nobody else in the CFL needs it. Well, Ottawa needs a new head coach. Uh, Edmonton needs a new head coach, but they weren't getting rid of their old ones. The riders were the only ones with an opening right now. So they were able to take their time, not rush on a candidate, interview everyone that they possibly could have. And I guess there was like nine interviews um, and they got their guy. So, the timing, thank you, coaches. Cap, (laughs) yeah, that is the Uh, only
0: reason why Ottawa doesn't have a new head coach is because they can't afford to pay another one. Yeah, no, the nice thing, yeah, the riders being the only one looking for head coach this year definitely
1: worked in their favor. And now, once it's announced, and Jeremy O'Day and Corey Mace can get to work. Look at that roster top to bottom. Start with the free agents. Who do we want to retain? Who are we going to throw money at with whatever money we still have? Who's going to fit into this mold of whatever this new culture of the team is going to be? Who's not going to fit in that mold and just say you can release them now even though their contract's not technically up yet. Just give them a head start on free agency. Just cut them right now. That's what Chris Jones did that in 2015 at the end of 2015, when he came in here, got rid of 40 guys right off the bat. And I'm
0: literally surprised more teams don't do that. Just flood yeah. the market and try to get the guys. You hopefully you flood the market so bad that other players come available because of it. Like, why not?
1: Yeah. And if you can use some of your, you know, this year's salary cap, 2023 salary cap, uh bonus to pay as a bonus, you know, to extend a Sam Emily's. Let's be doing that right away so they can get to looking at these names and seeing who they like, who they don't like, um, and they can start forming their roster. And we should start to see a whole bunch of re-signings. We usually do before Christmas anyway. Um, I'm sure we'll start seeing, you know, a couple here and there, two, three a week up until then, and hopefully some of the bigger names, because right now, and that's where we're going to go, is some of the... Signings and re-signings over the last week, not huge names by any means. Some very good good names I like, um, but just hopefully you're going to start seeing some guys that you know impact players. Um, so the couple big ones this week over the last week, uh, quarterback Antonio Pipkin. I have never seen so much um, anger, anger over a third string quarterback a guy who's definitely not coming in to compete for the starting job, a guy who's coming in to compete for the third string spot. I've never seen so much anger over signing. And I personally, I mean, I like the signing. You have a veteran just in case um, that has meaningful CFL film, but he is your short yardage guy. And for the most part, he was pretty good on, on short yardage last year. It was when they had Jake Dolagalla do short yardage that they sucked. Um, so, I'm fine with Antonio Pipkin re-upping for another year. It's not like he's going to be an expensive guy.
2: The, the best part about this is, is old Herb out in Montreal saying that this move reeks of desperation.
1: I love Herb. Like, dude, your,
2: your team that you love just won the Grey Cup. Get, get off Twitter for a little while. Enjoy the celebration. Party it up, but maybe don't drink and tweet. Because that was awful.
0: Like, I was a 3rd a quarterback where...
2: is not a desperation move. He, he got minimum salary, maybe a little bit more.
0: I, I'm trying to figure out where Herb thinks the desperation is. Like, I I was literally like doing a Rubik's cube in my brain trying to figure out how he, where he came up with desperation. Because I'm like, he know he knows we got Trevor Harris under contract, right? Like, he know. Like, I, I have no idea why that was a desperate move. Like it was obvious that the uh, Patterson package wasn't working. So I'll I'll hail the Pipkin package, I guess.
1: That's why they call him happy Herb. For the record, I actually really love Herb Zerkowski. I like her. Great great guy. Just, just, (laughs) I don't know what that tweet was. That was.
0: I I enjoy, I enjoy his writing. I hate his tweets. That's just the way it is. (laughs) Like me, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's what it is. Yeah. Um, some Canadians signed, uh, depth guys for sure. Linebackers, Matt Dean and Nick Thomas, um, draft picks from the last couple of years. Um, fullback Morgan runge again, depth player draft pick from a couple of years ago, offensive line, Evan Florin draft pick from last year, went back to school. Zach Fry. Biffles bump. And I, we talked about him last week. And I'm more than happy with him being back. I have not seen a one-year player, Canadian offensive lineman, who generally take a couple years to develop. I have never seen a guy, at least recently, take as much flack as Zach Fry has in the last week. By people saying that, well, if you can't crack the roster after... All your time here. Well, one, it's been one year because he went back to school in 2022. He was with the team in training camp, got drafted in 2022, went back to school to finish uh, his eligibility, came back last year, made the practice roster. Yes, the O-line had problems. And yeah, I can see the point where, I mean, at the same time, you might as well have thrown him in on the offensive line. It couldn't get any worse than what it was for, for a little while there. But at the same time, you also had a head coach who probably wasn't going to play a young guy. He was going to try and play vets as much as possible uh, just to try and you know win these games. They weren't rebuilding, remember, right? So you're not going to switch to the to the basically raw rookie.
2: I think the problem what? was you look at Logan Furland, steps in immediately and becomes an all-star. And now people automatically assume these. He's been around Canadians, for a while, though. That's the thing. But he's been an all-star through most of it. Like he he jumped in real fast, or at least it sure as heck seemed to it, like it to the fans. So they expect that from every Canadian O lineman now, and that's beyond rare. You take it—that's the one position you don't see guys come immediately off out of college and light it up. It just
1: doesn't happen very often. Look what happened with Ottawa this year: Dante Bull, number one overall draft pick. He was the consensus, number one. And from what I read, it generally wasn't close. They had him starting in the last half of of the season, and he was awful. He was not ready. I'm sure he'll be a good one, but he needs time. For whatever reason, they need an offensive lineman in this league. They just need some time. And that's fine. I have... People saying that they were ready to give up on Zach Fry after one year blows my mind. How can you do that? Dan Clark was a couple of years in the making. How many offensive linemen were a couple of years? Chris best. How long do we slander Dan's Dan Clark and how great did he turn out those last few years?
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I, I want to say our criticisms help him sharpen up and get better. But yeah, like it, it takes some, it takes some time, but it's yeah like and like I said it, it surprised me he didn't crack the roster last year but yeah give the guy some time to get better. Yeah, Furlan stepped in really quick but he's also a freak so it is what it is. So I don't know. Like it's somebody should have been
2: touting that guy's horn from the beginning.
0: I know. Like I don't know why wh- whoever said he was good, you know, probably deserves a ding right about now or have, have a shirt or something. I don't know. But yeah, like give Fry some time, like hope this year, maybe he will crack that, crack that roster.
1: And that's one thing that I'll actually give credit to, to uh, Craig Dickinson is maybe Zach Fry just legitimately wasn't ready. And why would you want to throw him in there if you know, it's not going to end well. So that could have, that could have hurt his development if he did that. And I get it. You're only going to get it better by playing, but if you are truly not ready, then don't put them in there. So if that's what it came down to with Craig Dickinson, then I applaud Craig Dickinson, not putting him in there when I know some people were calling for a brand new offensive line in the middle of the season. So I don't know. I've just never seen so much smack talk about a potential sixth old lineman before. And here we are with Zach Fry. Like it's, it's rare. Like Ferland was
0: a raw rookie in 2021 played 14 games. You're not, not every and that's well you're not going to see that and that was all 14 games because that was the sh- shortened season wasn't it that was short year yeah. so yeah like you were not going to get that out of a lot of raw rookies
1: and the but line he was wasn't around, that year. but he was around with the team for a couple years prior to that
0: on the on the practice on, squad on yes. the practice so, uh, 20 2019 yeah. yeah 2019 19. was his
1: first year on the on the
0: practice squad 2020 obviously they didn't play so yeah like give, give a guy time to develop Cause yeah, not everyone's going to be Logan Furland.
1: And a couple signings on Wednesday in the defensive backfield, uh, Rodney Clemens, Mark Fields, the second and Cole Coleman uh, Clemens and Fields, the second, both with the, the riders last year fields came in in October. I think uh, it's one of those signings that they usually don't end up playing uh, in the last little bit of the year and they make an impact next year and that's exactly what happened with Roland Milligan a couple of years ago. He came in at the end of the year, played like one game and 2023 he was a stud up until he got he, hurt. So Yeah, he was our best defensive player till he got hurt. Yep. Yeah. So they're they're cutting down a few names here off the the free agent list and just building some depth and of course these are guys that aren't making a ton of money so If you find somebody better, got them. Who cares? Um, We're going to talk. We've been talking free agents. We haven't uh, hit the defensive side of things yet for the riders list of uh, pending free agents. We'll get to that right now. We'll start with the D line. We'll just go with the D line because there's a decent amount of names on here. Um, So just tell me yes or no. Would you resign them now knowing? That Corey Mace is the head coach. A D-lineman himself. I'm sure he's going to be very invested in some of these names um, coming up. So we'll just go in alphabetical order with the D-line. Miles Brown. I'd bring him back. Bubble. I could go either way on him. Yeah, same. If they bring him back, great. I mean, he played pretty well in the games that he played. Um, The injuries worried me, but... I think everybody on that D line was injured for a decent amount last year. Anyway, um, on the flip Dem- side,
2: there's a lot more important names on the on the D line that are coming up down this list that we need no. to get to before him.
1: Um, another defensive tackle, Demarcus Christmas.
0: I would take Christmas over Brown. If you can't get Christmas and you need to sign a guy, I would then yes, Brown. But I, I enjoyed everything Christmas did,
1: and they need to announce it on Christmas. They, you know what they have the contract done. It has to be done. Right. And they're just waiting for like the 23rd or 24th to announce it.
0: Christmas present. Is it it how
1: it's, I I already see the tweet in my brain. Have a Merry Christmas Ryder nation. And then there's a picture of DeMarcus with signing his contract or something like that. If they Um, don't do that, right. They should be (laughs) disappointed. We're going to talk about marketing and branding next week uh, about this team. That's one thing that they need to do. Market the heck out of DeMarcus Christmas in December. Get him everywhere. Um Canadian Charbel de Beer. Because of his passport, yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah, passport. you kind of have to. Um Micah Johnson.
2: I I never thought I'd be excited about a 35 year old defensive lineman, but he's a must sign to me. He he was the key of that defensive line. And I'd love to see what he can do in a Corey again in a Corey Mace uh, defense or with Corey Mace.
0: And once again, and his leadership on that defensive line—you saw it uh, in situations where he was telling guys to get their heads in the game. I'll never forget that uh, that stupid penalty that Pete Robertson took in that BC game. Micah was the first guy going, "What are you doing?" Yep. So yeah, you 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 can't you can't just replace someone like Micah Johnson on that line.
1: Mike is doing a lot of stuff in the community right now as a pending free agent. He's everywhere. Um, yep. That tells me that that's a good sign of him returning in 2024. This is going to be a young team. I think in 2024, you need some vets. That's one. I think you keep around. Plus he was the best defensive player all season long for the riders. So I think you have to bring him back. Um, now we're going to get to the two interesting names. I'm really curious to hear you guys take on Anthony Lanier, the second who was the highest paid defensive player last year in the CFL.
0: I like him. I like his versatility because he can play both tackle and end, but he did not play up to that contract. Um, I would bring him back, but not at his previous number. That's for sure.
2: Yeah. It's definitely going to have to be a, a pretty substantial haircut for me. He's, He's got to go back to a prove-it year. He he has the talent, he has the skill, but last year was not his best work. So I uh, I would love to see him back, but
1: that pay cut's going to have to be pretty decent. Yeah, I'm with you guys. Obviously, a pay cut's in order, but I'm intrigued to see how a guy like Lanier does with a head coach who's a D lineman by trade. Because I don't think Lanier was put in the right Spot last year by Jason Shivers. He was um, playing on the end when he should be playing defensive tackle. They had him slimmed down a little bit, and it just it did it just didn't fit for him. What worked in twenty twenty two, they went away from in twenty twenty three, and it hurt him. If Corey Mace wants to keep him around, I'm all for it, and I would love to see what he would do with that kind of coaching. So I would actually rather keep Anthony Lanier than Pete Robertson, who is the next name on our list, because to me, just finding a, a pass rusher as good as Pete Robertson was and had some good times in 2023, the riders have never had a problem finding D Lyman to rush, rush the passer ever. Terrell Geriniak was a star. Fred Perry was a star. Those guys came out of nowhere. John Chick for how long. Like they find find these guys left and right so i'd i'd honestly save some money there i would go with a young recruit instead of pete robertson
0: agreed and that's why i think lanier is more important signing than robertson because he is versatile you can throw him in the middle you can throw him on the outside i don't think you can throw robertson up the middle nope. um if you can get a team friendly deal sure but i at this point, he's bubble for me.
2: Yeah, if you have to choose between the two, I'm I'm with you guys. It's it's Lanier all the way. But I'd like to see them both back. I I think they're both talented players, but I think they're going to have to cut some salary on that side of the ball and give me the choice. I'll take Lanier. Karaoke
0: contest. Whoever does the best thing and gets to come back, so we know it's <laughs> Anthony Lanier. <laughs>
1: What was that friends in low places that was the one he was singing was that what it was
0: that's it was garth brooks and it's funny yeah. every time they did that voice of the riders uh thing i'm like i'm just screaming anytime lanier's on there take lanier he knows <laughs> all the worst of every song
1: and every um, time
0: it was always anthony lanier
1: and two more names both on the practice roster um max parkinson who was with the regina thunder has used up his territorial um exemption status so he is yep. free to sign anywhere he doesn't have to revert back to the riders if they want him back kind of thing um greg you're the thunder guy um what about max parkinson do you like and and write my, my, like, my, would... my scouting report yeah pretty uh, much
0: the the dude is chiseled out of granite like he is i can relate yeah i yeah, I, I was gonna say very much an alex body type <laughs> very much an Alex' body type he he he's a freak. He is a freak of nature, uh, a big pop a pump, if you will. Like he is just all muscle. Uh, his football IQ is low because he ne- he didn't play football. He played rugby. He played soccer. Uh, he got he played one year. I won't say in Germany, even though he's British, of uh, gridiron football, and then he was invited to the global um, combine, and that's where the Riders first saw him. That's where everyone first saw him, and he blew a bunch of records out of the water because he is a physical freak. Thunder brought him in. He's got, he's very good motor, but once again, football IQ is not there. You could see where he zigged when he should have zagged. I think the guy's got potential. Um, as a global player, yeah, you could probably bring him on, put him back on your practice roster. He might be able to, um, uh improve on his skills but i he's, he's not a must sign but i think he's he's a guy with a bunch of potential he is a uh i think of clay made out of marble that you can mold if you want to because like i said he is just chiseled like freak of nature when it comes to the physical stuff
2: i i honestly had like three sheets of full scrap on on max parkinson but greg pretty much said it all so i won't i won't add anything else to that
1: uh yeah i didn't have three full sheets but uh <laughs> yeah um uh, i mean he'll classify his global status right so if yeah. you can bring him back and and keep developing them same thing with the you know we just talked about zach, zach fry if you can develop them and you can't kind of burn off a, a global position that you need to have on the on the practice roster sure why not
0: like i saw him ragdoll a bunch of offensive linemen yes they were cjfl linemen i'm curious what he would how he would do against the 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 uh, pros but like i said dude's a beast and he's got potential but it's it's going to take a while to get him up to speed
1: and last one uh caleb sanders who was on the practice roster <laughs> sure, sure i don't know <laughs> yep i haven't seen bat- film on him practice roster flip a coin, whatever side that lands on. Sure. Okay. We'll look at the rest of the defense next week. Um, maybe the couple more names will be knocked off that list as we go on. That's the opening kickoff presented by Kathy Festion of Roy Page Regina Realty. Let's jump to our Churchill brewing company odds and end zones. We're going to take a look around the CFL, um, at some of the big headlines making news. And it was announced on Wednesday, Touchdown Pacific in Victoria, BC, and Ottawa. As I thought about it, once they kind of hinted that there was going to be an announcement, we all kind of figured out, okay, yeah, it's going to be TD, Victoria, TD, Pacific, Pacific. whatever it's going to be branded as. I started thinking, I'm like, you know what? A good team to have there would be Ottawa because you probably want to have a draw that's not that great at BC place that's going to sell out Victoria just because of the novelty of the game. So I was like, Ottawa's probably that team. And guaranteed win night. Probably, yeah. Um, so to me, it's interesting that it's gonna be the Labor Labor Day weekend. That's gonna kick off Labor Day weekend on the Friday. Um I I didn't think it would be that week, but that's when BC plays Ottawa at home. So I guess it makes sense in that that realm. But what do you guys think of it kicking off Labor Day weekend? I'm honestly not a fan of the the game day choice.
2: I I understand it's it's simple with Montreal or with BC Ottawa there's an obvious scheduling spot there, but it limits a lot of the potential travel cuz we saw non teams involved Atlantic in touchdown Atlantic fans going to those games because they made it a destination game. It was a it was an entertainment venue. This is going to be BC Ottawa and not a whole lot else cuz your your bombers and rider fans aren't traveling, stamps and, and elk's fans aren't traveling, montreal fans aren't going to go across the country for to uh, not in Ottawa team. yeah yeah to not see their team that's questionable weak choice and i'm not a big fan of them doing it this year when the grey cup is already out there but on the flip side if not now when you can have both and make it work and see if you can grow that sec- that 10th team out in Victoria because we know the East Coast is is on its last leg.
0: I, I don't hate the choice of going Labor Day weekend. I think it adds more to the experience, especially when you have the Battle of Ontario, you have the, the Riders and the Labor Day class between the Riders and the Bombers, you have the Battle of Alberta, then there's always that, fourth game that was, hey, we got the other game also happening. So at least this gives that game some juice. So maybe some extra eyeballs while everyone else gets prepared for the the games that people clamor to watch because they're actual grudge matches. I, I really honestly think the other Labor Day game should be Montreal, Ottawa, because I think that you could actually have a, a good geographic rivalry right there, which I understand doesn't let vancouver do anything out in bc but i don't know like it's just I, I get why they're doing it that weekend but yeah you guys aren't wrong it's definitely going to limit travel from other cfl fans which considering they can only get four sounds like it's only be like fourteen thousand, fifteen thousand, um for that stadium probably not a bad idea because that means tickets are they're gonna be super expensive and super hard to get so
2: it it always it always amazes me the league has never done a Montreal or never does the Montreal Ottawa rivalry for Labor Day. I'm with you on that. 100%
1: of shipping. 100% it's get right be week every week then it's fine. Every week? So they should fold? Well, it's every year. It's been a long week, Steve. <laughs> okay? It's been a long year, Steve.
2: <laughs> but like Montreal Ottawa is a clear rivalry. It's an easy one. And they just don't across the St. Lawrence. It. Just that, to me, is one example of the CFL never being able to get out of their own way. Just create that. Make it start now. But now it's Ottawa, BC.
1: Ooh. I don't mind the matchup. It just doesn't fit with the time.
2: Yeah.
1: I don't know. I If you're going to do that, do that Canada Day. If you're going to have two teams that don't really have a history of a, anything against each other, do it that day. Or at least that weekend. I, I uh, still
0: stand by my coast to coast. Do touch on Atlantic. Do touch and be a game in BC. Can day weekend coast to coast.
1: Yep, absolutely. That's how you build the the league as a coast to coast league. It only makes sense, right? Um. Now, Steve, you mentioned uh, the maritime expansion. Randy Ambrosi did say they're going to take one more big swing at maritime expansion. And Ambrose is going to update the governors next week on one investor that they've been talking extensively with. This, this has got to be actually like the last straw, right? Like if it doesn't happen with this investor, you have to move on and look at Quebec city or Victoria or something else. Cause if they can't do it, the dream's got to be over, right? At this
0: point, the uh, Miami manatee are more, of an actual expansion franchise in the Atlantic schooners. Like that ship has sailed pun intended. Like we are huh. done. It's not happening. Like the CFL is the only team is the only league that announced a team twice with the same name in the same venue and never had the follow through. <laughs> like, I guess if you're, if you're going to go down the history books, that's one way to do it. But it, Yes, the Maritimes are big into football, but I think at this point, a team in Quebec City probably has more of a draw, more of a fan base, and you could actually build something out of that.
2: The Maritimes is just going to be too difficult to do. Let's be honest. My grandkids are going to be talking about the incoming Atlantic Schooners at this point. It is never going away because it is a very clear and obvious market where they can grow. It's just not going to happen. It's that one. It's it's right there. There's so many options. There's get in the whole Maritimes area to support. But until there's a stadium or a stadium plan, I don't even know why we bother talking about it. Because no investor
1: and no investor is going to want to build that stadium with their own money. They're going to want it to be city provincially. Federally funded. And taxpayers do not want that at all. I wouldn't want that, honestly. I don't like that about Mosaic Stadium, but I mean it's too late for that now anyway. Um, but no one inv- no investor is gonna want to build their own couple hundred million dollar stadium.
0: Especially when they get hurricanes uh, no. every once in a while. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like when a
0: nor'easter comes in, your stadium better be ship shaped
2: the
1: insurance that they'd have
0: to
2: have on that place. My goodness. Could you imagine a November gray cup out on the East coast and how potentially terrifying that could be 14 feet of snow.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that one better get a roof. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, Yeah. I don't. Yeah. It's, it's time to give up on that. So I don't know. Maybe at this time next week, we'll have some sort of update on that, but I'm not getting my hopes up anymore. It's time to just, cut bait and just move on
2: and you mentioned all the yeah. success that montreal or the that Mont- or quebec city sorry is an option look at all the success right now or over the past 10 years that quebec has been having both at the college level and at the pros now you know their great cup champs laval and uh and the carabins in montreal have been going back and forth on who gets the vanier cup for the last 15 years mostly the laval for the first 10 but like there's, there's an obvious market there for football and the league just doesn't seem to want to look at it. Don't know why, but the worst
0: part is the best possible owner for Quebec city is now the owner of the Montreal LOS.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's true. Um, Big changes possibly coming to the bombers. First off, obviously, we mentioned that Kyle Walters, their GM, Ted Govea, and Danny McManus on the scouting side, all signing contract extensions. Um, Buck Pierce probably going to be their offensive coordinator again. Maybe potentially head coach in the next couple of years if Mike O'Shea decides to get into you know the front office somehow. So that side of things are good for them. But Mike O'Shea did say at a, a media conference, saying a couple of players told him in their exit meetings at the end of the season. They were leaning towards retirement. So this is a team who's starting to get up there in, in football age that have been around for a while. That's, I mean, four straight Grey Cups. You don't get there with, with young guys. You get there with guys who have been there for a while and and continue to, to grow together. So that's obviously got to be a little bit concerning for Winnipeg going forward. We talked about the dynasty. Dynasty. This is another step towards it, I guess. Um, Brady Oliveira potentially getting an NFL shot, and I mean, if they come calling, obviously you you take that you take that chance if you get it if you're Brady Oliveira. But it could be some big changes in in Bomberland.
2: Well, I think the thing that I found most interesting was uh, the the GM or Kyle Walter and his assistants all signed two year deals to to re up. And to me, that tells me where the Mike O'Shea plan is, that they're they're looking two years down the road. Mike O'Shea is GM, Buck Pierce is head coach, whoever else rolling up through that tree. But I don't think they're going to be the team that they are now two years from now. We saw some of that drop off at the beginning of this season. They were the okayest of football teams for the first half of the season. It, and they're all. That's only going to continue to get worse unless they get younger. I don't see it happening. But you got, you got to look at some of the
0: guys that are getting up there in age. You've got Big Hill at thirty five. You got um, Bryant at thirty seven. Like that's old for football age. Like it, it's going to be interesting to see who doesn't stick around anymore. Like it's some guys are up there. Some guys are looking at their future after football. Some guys are already branching out with their other careers. So it doesn't take much for a guy to decide he's not going to play football anymore. Patrick Neufeld's 34. Like they're hard 33. Like that's young still it, compared to me, but <laughs> I, I can't carrying around that much weight as an offensive lineman. Your, your knees get shot really fast. So. I can see, I can see a couple guys definitely probably thinking, yeah, I'm, I'm done. And as for Oliveira, he's, yeah, he's probably going to get a look. It's going to depend on, on if he wants to be a body or if he thinks he's actually going to get a shot.
1: Well, and that's kind of what O'Shea O'Shea said. If you can get more money and do less, I mean, why wouldn't you want to take, why would, why wouldn't you want to do that? Right. So, um, but more time to, to save dogs. Yeah. Uh, I mean, does you want, do you want to play or not is what it comes down to. Corey sheets has told us on this show when we had him on a couple of years ago, he regrets going to the NFL because it just, it didn't work out. He got injured. And then that was, that was it. He wish he would have stayed in the CFL, but in fairness, would, would he have regretted it if he didn't blow Absolutely. his Achilles? Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, he was a lock to make the, what was it? The Raiders roster. He was yeah. with the Raiders then. Yeah. He was a lock to make that roster. Um, but you take that chance whenever you get, obviously. 100%. Take the money 100% all the time. Um, taking money. Um, the Elks could use some money. The Edmonton Elks. put Putting together a committee to look at ownership structure. Of course, they're one of the three uh, publicly owned or community owned teams with the Riders and the Bombers. Um, sounds like it's probably going to be up to a private sale coming soon. Um, Rick... Lila said that they have money in the reserves to operate in 2024, but need new investments before the end of the season. So this is a team that's that had a lot scary. of money. This is a team that had a lot of money in the coffers. And if that's running out, like we know things are bad there. Like th- this is not good for the Elks. Okay. Let me tell you about telethons Edmonton. This is what you need to do.
0: Telethons, lotteries, no, this, this is scary. This is legit scary for a team that was once the so-called evil empire. That was the measuring stick of this league to go, uh, hey, anyone can spare some change? That's a problem. That is a massive problem. And they need to get this figured out. And I, I really hate that his first thing is I would build a new stadium who who where do you think that's going to come from if you if you're out there saying this team is going to die in 2 years why do you think you're going to get a new stadium yeah no one's going to invest in that right now so you you need to you need to kind of turn the ship around get it going and then ask for a new stadium because you're not wrong a stadium that big it is very hard to get a good vibe a good atmosphere even though it, it is a Giant stadium, but yeah, it's not made for a team like the Elks. It's made for massive events. That's the reason why Edmonton gets those World Cups. That's why, and unfortunately, it's way too big for something like the Elks.
1: Steve,
2: I don't really have much to add on this. Don't it care for the Elks? We, we kind of all saw it coming over the last few years with the losing streak and everything that's been going wrong. There, there have been people talking about the downfall of, of the Edmonton franchise. I don't think everybody expected it to be at this level where their, you know, their future is legitimately in doubt. However, if they do move to a private sale, a huge part of me hopes that Victor quee buys the Elves. <laughs> just for the chaos. <laughs> And, and I hope right now he's sitting there writing a check going, okay, let's see how many zeros. What do we need here? How much do I have to make to make this happen? Because I think it would be hilarious. And I want to see him back in the CFL. If
0: there's like anyone that could put together an, uh, an ownership group, Kui's got the potential to get get guys together. I I find it very very hard to believe the Edmonton board would actually take his money. Gov-
1: the governors wouldn't approve that they're not, they're no. not big Victor Quee fans.
0: <laughs> no. So it's just as much as it fun, it would be. I, I guess yeah. if it's a choice of the Edmonton franchise going belly up or take this money
1: and hold your nose, they might have to. Yeah. It's a, it's a bad situation, especially with, uh, I mean, Ultimately, winning cures absolutely everything in sports. Uh, at least it should. Sure. In most markets, it does. Um, Edmonton being bad for the last, you know, four years, not seemingly getting better. Obviously, Trey Ford gives them that excitement going forward. But he had a missed season. He had the name change that pissed off so many people. Like it's just everything is just coming at once to Edmonton. If they were winning and all this stuff was happening, we wouldn't be having this conversation but the fact that they were awful for quite a few years here, that's just, it's not good. Um, and, and I had an interesting conversation with a really, really diehard rider fan, um, that brought up the Elks, um, saying, and we're, we're going to talk about this next week when we're talking about branding and marketing, because it, it, that's kind of where it spurred for me. Um, He doesn't want the riders to end up like the Elks. And I started thinking about him like, you know what? That's, yeah, we don't want it to get that bad where we're back to almost telethon uh, and having to do things like that just to keep the team afloat and to come out and say, yeah, we have enough money to play this year. We might not have enough money going forward to have a team later. Like that's scary. And I don't think anybody here wants that uh, for any team in the CFL. As much as we might dislike some teams, we don't want them to fold. That's bad for the league, and that's that's just that just hurts everybody. So well, we're going to talk about that next week. We're going to get into that on the rider side of things, and what can the team do to you know steer away from that. And although it, I will tell you, that's going to be my plea, my call out to Craig Reynolds. Uh, will be next week's show.
2: In fairness, there would be a lot of irony if the Elks were to fold at the end of this year. For a team to finally quit on Chris Jones instead of the other way around, I would find that a little bit funny. Not the team <laughs> folding, but just the rest of it to go along with it.
0: But really, Edmonton can't fold a team. That's Ottawa's gimmick. And they're going to be very <laughs> mad that someone is doing something that they're not.
1: Yeah. First, we take away their Rough Riders name. Next, another team takes away their folding. <laughs> just bad for Ottawa right now. <laughs> Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll talk about that next week. I'll, I'll, I'll tell the story about it and, and how it kind of got brought up and, and we'll talk about it. Um, and I want to hear from other people as well too, like what's, so we'll, we'll bring that all up. Um, hey, one more thing people, actually this week. We're, we're, we're your
0: voice. If you want to if you want us to talk, bring something yeah. up, if you got stories about where you think this team wants to be, we're on the socials, they're on the screen. We say them every time. I say I don't want your pity follows. I don't. So don't follow me. Just just at me, and I will gladly uh, talk about it.
1: <laughs> or just follow them, just not out of pity. That's all. Yeah. Because it's a good follow. Sure. Wink. Wink. Yeah. Wink. Wink, and... Nudge, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, yeah. Um, and one more thing, actually, we didn't uh, mention, and I was going to, and and Steve, you're talking about Vanier Cups with uh, Laval and and Montreal. U Sports announcing the 2025 Vanier Cup in Regina, mosaic stadium. That'll be that'll be pretty cool. I'm I'm already looking forward to that.
0: Should be a fun time that that game. This last one was a bit of a defensive battle, so to speak, but. No no one throws a championship football game like Regina does, whether it be the Canadian Bowl last year, the Grey Cup last year. it's Regina throws a fun time for football fans.
2: I've never been to a Vanier Cup. It's been high up on my list of things to attend, so I'll definitely be uh, excited to check that out. Maybe maybe we should get the Rams season tickets. So if We can actually talk a little bit of Rams on this show. Probably not. Probably not.
0: No, uh, well, I I know where my uh, loyalties lie. There's still I, I we have board members that are still with, mad about the Rams with, jumping to the U of R.
2: <laughs> your your loyalties ride with lie with the Hilltops, right? Okay, okay. Where's the where, where where's
0: the send Steve to? Uh,
1: that's a, yeah. I was just gonna say. <laughs> that's I'm a just good playing the role to... of Jeff Fairholm today. Yeah, <laughs> that's a that's a good way to end the uh, end the show right there is with a little Hilltops burn. Um, I think Greg probably wants to get rid of Steve for good right now. So I think we should probably just do that. Yes. Um, so anyway, excited about the riders right now, Corey Mace to be announced as head coach of the team. I'm looking forward to, I'm looking forward to his introductory press conference. I normally don't care about these things because they're so full of cliches. I have so many questions that I'd want to hear this guy answer and I'm going to do my best. I'm going to reach out to the riders, see if they'll, uh, they'll let us talk to the head coach. So we'll uh, we'll see if we can make that work.
0: The only, the only downside about Corey Mace being announced to the head coach, not Buck Pierce. I really wanted Craig Butler to walk, uh, walk uh, Buck Pearson. I, I really wanted that. Bring the contract out to him. Yeah. And here, here's your helmet the
1: contract. Yeah. Here, here's your helmet back. <laughs> How, how many of the uh, Regina Media you think would have asked Buck Pierce?
0: Oh, I'll put that hit you took from Craig Butler. To be fair, he did an insurance commercial that featured that hit.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. The
0: entire joke about that commercial was him getting destroyed by Craig Butler. So you think at some point he's got a good humor about it.
1: CFL players and commercials, get them out there. TSN, you listening? Come on. You own the property. Just Come do on, it. D-
2: don't you remember the Humpty's commercials with Weston Dressler? The Only
1: the memes that came from yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> I only remember the memes now. Yeah. Just, just from Fonzie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. It's an exciting time here in Saskatchewan. New head coach, uh, new vision of the team. And I'm looking forward to seeing how that kind of starts piecing together and fills out the 2024 roster and going into free agency. So we'll definitely be talking a lot more about that as the offseason rolls along. Thanks for joining us here on the Piffles podcast. Of course, Piffles podcast brought to you by our great friends at Dairy Queen on Elf and Stone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Special thanks, of course, to Kathy Festian of Royal LePage Regina Realty and Churchill Brewing Company for their support making this show possible. And again, thanks for uh, 10,000 plus views on Tell Telemax TV on demand. Here's to 10,000 more in an even shorter time. This is Ghost Behind Your Mind by Tyler Gilbert. The